sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on the sports grid. The spitting statistician and the candle burner has it all locked down. We're looking back at week 15. We'll preview the end of week 15 later on this hour as well. Kev, we talked about the Chiefs in the same game already as our headline, right? And the Chiefs win that game, you know, um, are in many people's eyes the class of the AFC, the class of the NFL, right? And you have even mentioned the phrase that they're like a tier unto themselves, you know? And so if we believe that premise, then there's a lot of competition going on, Kev, for tier two in the AFC. And who is that second best team? Who might be the biggest threat to the Chiefs, right, in the AFC? And for one of those contenders, we go all the way back to Saturday as the Buffalo Bills go into Denver and win 48-19. to Congratulations to the Buffalo Bills. They have locked up their first AFC East division title in 25 years, Kev. I don't even know if you were alive the last time the Bills won the AFC East. I'll tell you what, Josh Allen may have not been alive the last time the Buffalo Bills won the AFC East. The Indianapolis Colts, Kev, who no longer play in the AFC East, had won the AFC East more recently than the Buffalo Bills, but they get the job done. They keep on humming Josh Allen with a performance over 350 yards passing two touchdowns with his legs more touchdowns via the air Stefan can you dig it with another 11 catches 147 yards the defense playing better even though it probably looks good to be playing against that Denver offense that has the most turnovers in the league but the Bills do their job Kev they are now 11 and 3 and AFC East division champions it was a very impressive performance. For, I mean, 48 points. They just rolled them, right? Really now, did. this game was on the same time as the ACC championship game, so <laughs> it was kind of a dealer. Every time I just looked up, I'm like, again? Again? But, it, you know, it, it was not uh, – it was the least I think I've watched an NFL game all year because <laughs> uh, there was some big stuff going on with Notre Dame. We were trying to keep it within a range, uh, and they successfully did just that. As far as the Bills go – Someone needed to be the team that people latched onto that they're the one that's going to beat the Chiefs. Every year, we get around to this time of year, and people pick two teams that are not the one seed, right? So the Bills are going to be that team in the AFC. There's a bunch of options in the NFC. People will have no issue figuring that out there. When we look at Buffalo, and Josh Allen is playing the way that he is. If Josh Allen plays this way, can they beat the Chiefs? Yes, they can. Do I trust Josh Allen to play to this level? No, I right. do not. Right. 
All right, I fair enough. Up. Listen, I, 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 I'm with you. You know that I've described the Bills in the same exact way. When we talk about also, Kev, you know, how teams are playing, right, that they need to scout themselves. You talk about how they look going into the playoffs. Are they riding high? Are they hot, right? The Buffalo Bills look like they are building all the elements of a championship team. I still, regardless of the fact you know, as we welcome in our radio audience here from around the country, around the globe, thank you to all of the affiliates for getting up on the grid early with us here on the early line. This has been Statistician and the Candle Burner. Kev, I've been saying it all season long, right? Like, Buffalo looks impressive. Josh Allen looks like he is maturing. I can understand people thinking he this is the threat to the Chiefs, right? But... I am not going to trust or believe in Josh Allen in a playoff scenario until he kind of gets through and shows that he doesn't make the big mistakes, shows that he knows how to rein it in in time and score and context, right? And I, yeah. I'm I'm going to need to believe it before I see it. I think the big mistake could still be live with Buffalo. And while it doesn't matter against Denver, it could matter against a Pittsburgh, an Indy, a Cleveland, that sort of thing. And I'm still a little bit worried about that. But they look good right now, Kev. Yeah, And look, here's the one thing about Buffalo. He has the opportunity to answer to that bell multiple times before they would see the Kansas City Chiefs in an AFC title game. And who knows? Maybe they actually don't see the Chiefs in an AFC title game. We don't know how it's That's all going to break out. So yeah. I'm not telling. I'm not. I'm not trying to dismiss people that are, that are going to make Buffalo their AFC horse. I un, look. People don't love picking the favorite, and also yeah. the Chiefs. And we talked about it at the top of the show. They are not playing lights out football, right? They are. They are. They are not obliterating every team by two touchdowns, right? So yeah. it's understandable that people are going to pivot. Yeah. But for me, if Buffalo does draw, you know, a Colts or a Ravens, whatever it yep. might be in that first round, a Titans because they might not win the South, whomever it might be for Buffalo, it's 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 not a foregone conclusion, no matter how good they look right yeah. now. Yeah. Because I am going to still have that hesitation around Josh Allen. No, I hear you. And, you know, there's also this idea of beating the team twice, right? You were talking about earlier in the show, it would be hard for Tampa to beat Green Bay a second time, potentially in a different building, right? I think the same thing about the Bills, maybe. What happens if they see Pittsburgh again in a 2-3 matchup, right? Wouldn't it be... By that logic, you know, hard to beat the Steelers again this time in Pittsburgh, right? Like, there's a lot of things here in the AFC we still need to consider. The Chiefs, we all believe, will be there in some way, shape, or form standing to be knocked off the hill. We'll figure out if anyone can do it. When we come back, Kev, I will submit to you the opportunity of two teams in the AFC South. They got wins yesterday. Could those be teams that threaten Kansas City? We'll talk about the Colts and the Titans when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane and Kevin trying to break down what we think is going to be great playoff matchups. We covered the NFC already, and these teams in the AFC, you know, we, we like different styles, as we say, right? And I got to tell you something, Kev. These AFC South teams may not seem as sexy, right, like as the Chiefs or the Steelers or even the Bills on some level, but it ain't about the sizzle. It's about the steak, especially kind of when it's cold in the playoffs, in January, and so I give you the idea of the Indianapolis Colts, the Indianapolis Colts who got their 10th win of the season at home in a division matchup against the Houston Texans, and Kev, I gave out a same-game parlay in this one that came on home. Jonathan Taylor over his rushing yards, he got 83 and a touchdown. I asked for Deshaun Watson to get over his passing yards. Boy, did he do that with 373 yards, but ultimately, the Colts' money line, because they did win the game 27 to 20 kev jonathan taylor is there they'll also you know sack uh watson like five times get two fumbles it speaks again to what i'm talking about the defense is stout the offensive line protects philip rivers they're able to run the ball whether it be a guy like taylor or a guy like naheem hines ty hilton has come on recently michael Pittman is there you know rivers loves the tight ends as well they have a lot of the elements that don't don't blow you away, but come playoff time will serve as a very hard out. So a couple of things from this game. First, though, nice job. I mean, three to one Thank parlay. You. I mean, that's that's we'll not take. insignificant, right? We'll that's take. pretty Thank sweet. Second, I, bad, I lost another prop bet, though, unfortunately. I got cute, bro. Check this out. I was like, oh, the Philadelphia Eagles secondary is so banged up. We got to ride these Cardinals overs, right? But you know the one I picked? I picked Christian Kirk as kind of like the not DeAndre Hopkins one, and that didn't come yeah. in. But I digress. It's all good when you hit a plus a three to one. But go ahead. Exactly. It'll, it'll save up the day. Now, second sure thing. Will. I am someone who at one point debated that David Johnson was the best running back in football. And at that was time, that like in I 2017? By, yeah. Yeah, it was. Okay. But at that time, I stand by what I said. So this performance was very heartwarming. 11 catches for 106 yards. Like, I was cheering him on. Like, that's my guy. And he's one of my, like, so I don't know what happened that the Texans week 15 were like, yeah, remember when he was, like, able to do this every week? I don't know. I don't know why it took him this long. Like, they might have won the DeAndre Hopkins trade, in my opinion, if they had <laughs> let David Johnson do this all season. So that was just beautiful to see. But the most important thing, the Colts' two wins over the Texans is preposterous. To win the first one 26-20 with the Texans going in on the two-yard line, four touchdown, force a fumble, see them two weeks later and win 27-20 with Kiki Cutie fumbling on the two-yard How does that happen? How, like, you would think, based on the way the NFL works, typical regression, law of averages, this score is reversed and the Colts fumble on the two-yard line and the Texans win the game. That's just, it's incredible to me that they found a way to get the job done. The one thing is that we have been consistent about, again, of all of the disagreements that we might have. For my defense, I just need you to make plays. I just need right. you to make plays. And they made plays. They made plays. And that's ultimately how they got another win. And it's not insignificant to be able to hold Watson, even if he is without some of his main weaponry, to 20 points. I think that is a credit to this Colts defense as well. Look, they're going to have an interesting close to this season. They're 10-4 mm -hmm. and four right now. The opportunity to win the division 
is right there. Uh, Of all the losses that have happened this year, this team, week one at home, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have then lost 13 in a row since, I think looms incredibly large. But ultimately, they do have a lot of elements that can dress, can make them seem to be a team that might just be able to beat anybody on any given Sunday. Yeah, Yeah, no, I hear you. A lot of elements that makes them tough. I'm also reminded of when that team in a slightly different form went into Arrowhead last year and punched the Chiefs in the mouth in the regular season. They have a lot of the elements. We will continue to watch their candidacy. The other team in the AFC South that we talk about is the Tennessee Titans. I think the Tennessee Titans showed you the gift and the curse that is their team in in this game against the Lions. We start with King Henry. Another Kev. 147 yards and a touchdown for King Henry. And quite frankly, they left meat on the bone there. They bring in Darrington Evans at the end to kind of salt it away. Henry could have had more if they wanted it. And here's the thing. We talk about A.J. Brown all the time, and he, yes, had a touchdown catch. But Corey Davis has been a beast as well, Kev. Corey Davis is a physical wide receiver as well who gets over the century mark with a touchdown. Ryan Tannehill doing his thing, running the ball a little bit, finding all the matchups as a quarterback, performing as a top 10 quarterback. But I said the gift and the curse of the Titans were both on display here, right? This team also, Kev, allowed 20-some-odd points to the lowly Detroit Lions, right? And this game at times felt closer than it needed to be. The Titans' offense is not in question. They can go with the left hand. They can go with the right hand. They can make you look silly. The question Mm -hmm. with this team's candidacy, Kev, and you say defense all I got to do is make a play here, make a play there. Talk to me about this Tennessee Titans team. To me, their offense is incredibly impressive. We know what King Henry can do. You know the way I feel about him. Talk to me about this defense that allowed 25 points to the Lions. Yeah, it's horrible. I mean, they gave up 430 total yards of offense. Like, it's it's not good. They, they almost got outgained. I mean, they only had 33 to- more yards than the Lions. I, I mean, it's really, really bad. Now, the Titans were the team that I had picked to win the AFC South before the season, and I should probably thank you for kind of backing me into a corner and saying that Ryan Tannehill was a top-10 quarterback because, boy, do I look smart uh, for that Ryan Tannehill take because, I mean, it's not even a debate. Like, the guy's undeniably a top-10 quarterback in the league, which is wild, but it's what he is. I know. I wonder if it says that more about Tannehill or more about the status of the league, but I digress. We should give Tannehill his due. He has been good. Yeah, no, he's been great. He's honestly been great for this team. He's the most valuable player on their team, I think. No two ways about it. But the guy that does get the headlines, what are they doing? I mean, just, I know, like, what's important here is the Titans and then getting ready for the playoff, but whatever. Why won't they let this guy, like, shatter every record? He had 147, and then all of a sudden, in the last couple of games, when all you got to do is, you know, get some first downs, run some clock against like a bottom three run defense in the NFL. Like, right. why don't you just give it to the big cone, cone dread over there? And they're letting Tannehill throw for his third touchdown instead. They got Tannehill ripping touchdowns out of his arm. I just, I can't believe that they didn't let Henry get a smooth 200. He would have done it no problem. But he I could do he definitely could have. The thing is, and in all, but. It shows that Vrabel is thinking ahead, and he's like, this game is over. 
You're not carrying the ball 35 I don't need any more miles on this guy's tires. I need him. It makes, yeah, it makes no sense. And I give him credit for that because for me, if I were Derrick Henry, if like, yeah, I'm like, go ahead, go ahead, break every record. And like, he could, and he still might. Like week seventeen, he can get two thirty-seven next week. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, Dane, week seventeen they play the Texans. Like if he's like two hundred and fifty yards out, he's over under on prop is going to be like one seventy and a half, and it's like hit the over. It, it's going to be outrageous. I, I think Davis Maddock day- told me he has never seen a price tag on mm-hmm. a non-Christian McCaffrey running back that is where Derrick Henry's was yesterday. He's yeah, never seen it. Re- yeah, it's unreal. And like my so I, I told like I talk about my my DFS league or whatever. And and my brothers in the league, my brother played him. And you get this great like Derek Henry had 147 on a score, right? And he's like, I mean, he should have had 220 and three times. It's almost like and he he's didn't not, return value. No, <laughs> that like kind he, of level. It's and it's like it, I don't even know if it's he didn't return value. He left there were so many points left out there. Like at the end of the day, like you know this day when you play fantasy sports, you at the end of the day you recap. You're like, oh, this guy should have gave me this, and this guy should have given me right, this. Right, right. And sometimes someone will be like, all right, guy, all right, everybody should have got 147, right? <laughs> but no, but like Derrick Henry should have absolutely had yeah, got 200 him. yards and three. I tell you what, I consider the Titans the Seahawks of the AFC. Because their offense, they'll kill you no matter what. But the defense is the liability. If they fix that up, maybe they could be the biggest threat to the Chiefs. Who knows? We'll talk more AFC when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge. Big shout-out to all of our affiliates. As you get the edge, we thank you for joining us, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. Kev, we got some more AFC candidacies to talk about, right? The Colts, the Titans are teams that we think will be there, that we respect, that are built intrigued uh, or in an intriguing way, but we don't know if they'll actually pull the trick. I want to ask you about another team I know you believe in. It's the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens went to Jackson. Jacksonville yesterday and you know dump trucked the absolute the Jacksonville Jaguars 40 to 14 it was never really that close it was 26 nothing at halftime ironically Kev you know on pro football today I was on some you know this profile is like one of those games where Lamar Jackson will only have to play three quarters but then trying to be silly with our homegirl Ariel Epstein I was like but who would come in RG3 is down Trace McSorley is down well the answer is Huntley clearly because the Ravens still did have that working margin Lamar Three passing touchdowns. You know I've been continuing to tell you about the ascension of J.K. Dobbins in that backfield. That continues. I think he will be the back in the playoffs. You know, not really Mark Ingram. It's going to be Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Of course, Lamar as well. Listen, Kev, the Ravens go in there. Do what they need to do. We know the schedule smiles upon them moving forward. And they're rounding into form. The reality for the Ravens, Dane, is that game against the Browns was so was important. Because it's not just about getting a win. Obviously, they needed a win. It's about validating how good they look. 
Because against Dallas, it's Dallas. Against Jacksonville, right. it's Jacksonville. But against the Browns, the fifth team right now in the AFC, who people believe last night, my timeline said they might be perfectly built to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, mm. not everybody agreed. But at the end of the day, the fact that the Ravens just beat that team a week ago to the day, it allows me to feel more comfortable when I buy all the way into Baltimore in the way that I have. Lamar looks great, 17 of 22, 243, three touchdowns. I know it's the Jaguars, but still, that's what you want to see from Lamar. The ground game has been completely unstoppable, and that's the Mm -hmm. most important thing. Their defense pitching a first-half shutout, good enough. By the second half, Gardner Minshew, I mean, I wish I could respectfully call him Garbage Minshew for, like, garbage time, but that's such a disrespectful name, I won't do that. But I think people would get the point. Ultimately, for the Ravens, they, they roll Jacksonville. Like, it's more than a result, right? Like, if they win the game by seven, it's like, oh, that's not great. They rolled them. That's what you need to do up against a team like that. Ravens look good. Yeah, absolutely. I want to posit something for your consideration here. When Lamar was going through those struggles at the middle of the year, the Ravens were kind of in that lull. They had dropped a couple of games. We were identifying, you know, work that still needed to be done. Kev, if you remember, weren't there also – Thoughts, conversation, buzz, blurbs, reports that Lamar was also nursing a knee injury at the time. He had missed the practice or two, right? And that seemed to coincide with the little dip in his play, the little dip in the Ravens. Then, you know, they had those, obviously, the headlines of the Ravens season is they're kind of bout with COVID. All their games have been moved and all this stuff. It's ironic to me, Kev, that, you know, we're like a good now, maybe three, four weeks removed from that time when they were down, when we were wondering about Lamar, and all of a sudden, he looks good again, the Ravens look good again. It's not to the same extent, but remember, people were worried a little bit for a little while about Kyler Murray's shoulder, and then there was a little lull, and they didn't look as impressive. Now, maybe both of them are rounding the turn back to kind of more normal full health, and their offense look back to normal do you think do you buy that at all that Lamar maybe was managing something and is getting closer and closer to 100% I definitely I mean it's a undeniable fact he was dealing with injury right he was on how the much was that yes. yeah that's what you know what I mean like how much was it hampering his play it, it certainly some now I think some of his struggles though were probably before that but ultimately, yeah, I definitely think there's something to the idea that he's getting healthier. And there's also just something to the idea that he could get back into a rhythm. This is the reigning MVP we're talking yeah. about, okay? Like, this isn't the, you know, 27th best quarterback having a hot stretch. This is, a, I mean, this is a legit dude here. And once you see guys start to play to this level, it becomes, re- and you can just tell the vibe around the Ravens feels different right now. They just, you can just tell there's a bit more buy-in. There, there's, a, there's, you know, those smiles that they had last year, that belief that they could go out there and actually beat anybody. No, I, I hear that. And remember, this team also had to deal with COVID in the middle of their season in a very strong way, right? So let's see what happens when they pop out of the other side of that. We give sometimes teams and players a couple of weeks, right? You mentioned it with Cam yeah. Newton. We've seen it with the Tennessee Titans, for example, right? And now, like, they're just almost done with it now. They only activated Hollywood Brown back for this game, and he performed well. One other team to talk about, one last game to break down here of Week 15, and it is 
the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. It is now official. The New England Patriots will not make the playoffs for the first time since I believe 2007, that year when Tom Brady got hurt in week one and Matt Castle led them in that season. The Miami Dolphins, though, they stay live. They get a home victory 22-12 to over the New England Patriots. I got to ask you, though, Kev, you know how, like, when people are seeing the Jets win and, and, and people are asking, oh, I wonder if Dane really liked that, if they, Dane was really okay and happy with that. I want to ask you, because I know you're so vested in the Patriots on multiple levels, Kev. So mm. the Patriots lose the game. They officially get eliminated from the playoffs. They won't be on the graphic anymore, right? They still only have six wins. But what I noticed here in this game, Salvin Ahmed runs for 122 yards. The Patriots as a team ran for 117. That was kind of like going to be their identity. That didn't help it. But I wonder if the silver lining for you, Kev, was the fact that Cam Newton threw for 209 yards, getting closer to that season passing yards total. Any silver lining there? Did he get there? Is he going to get there? And what are these Patriots now that they are not a playoff team? They have to now look themselves in the mirror, Bill Belichick and the crew. They have to admit it that there is work to do. Talk to me about Mm -hmm. the autopsy here now for the Patriots. So as far as uh, the Cam Newton prop goes, we're 119 yards away. There are two games left in the season. He's already missed a game. Uh, So everything is there for this to go well, but also we've had plenty of games where he has not thrown for 119 yards. We've had games where he's been throwing for like 60 yards. Yep, 100%. Uh, And you've been trying to get Jared Stidham to start against the Jets since week 17. I don't know how successful that campaign will be, but we shall see. Here's the thing with the Patriots. Uh, You know how Dak Prescott is uh, maybe going to finish top five for you in your MVP board? Stephon Gilmore, at the minimum, retroactively, like, validated his defensive player of the year. The Patriots pitched a a shutout at half. The the Dolphins were not able to pull points up on the board. And then there's a very clear turning point in this game. Stephon Gilmore left. And then they scored 22 points in the second half. And I think what's really interesting is, I almost feel like Bill Belichick never believed in the the Dolphins' offense. So Mm. what's really odd is the Patriots had more scoring drives than the Dolphins. They were all field goals. And if you look at it, Dane, right, the first one, fourth and three on the Miami 27. The second, fourth and five on the Miami. He's like, let's just get the points. We'll get enough. That's all we need. It's not like they're going to go crazy. Remember Three how is okay. the Chiefs right. kicked all those field goals against the Broncos because they're like, that'll be enough. There's nothing to worry about. Right, here. Right, right. That's what the Pats did against the Dolphins. And it it was true. But then Gilmore left. And they couldn't get those final stops that they needed. And ultimately, that's how they lose this game. I think for the Dolphins, you give them a ton of credit here to it, like having two rushing touchdowns, 20 of 26. It wasn't a fantastic game. I mean, 20 for 26 for 145 yards, the one pick yeah. is not great. But for the Dolphins, you can the Patriots. At, like, you're, like, that's where we go context, results, context, results. For the Dolphins, you beat the New England Patriots, it's going to feel like a big celebration, right? And that's ultimately what the Miami yeah. Dolphins were able to do here. But listen, the, Pat, the Pats have been a big point for the, the show. Again, I, I don't ever feel... Uh, disturbed by any of my Patriots takes, they pitched a shutout with Stefan Gilmore in the game. 
Fair enough. They do give up over 200 yards rushing. Ahmed goes for 122. Matt Breida goes for 86 as well as the Dolphins eliminate the Patriots. Do you believe you're saying Belichick doesn't believe in this Dolphins offense? The you, Kev. I mean, they are now nine and five, right? Yeah. And I'm with you. I, I, you know, they're nine and five. I still have them kind of on the outside looking in, kind of alongside the Raiders, if you want to know the truth, right? I, in terms of do I take them seriously? No, right? I take Baltimore, Cleveland, and the second place team in the AFC South more serious than Miami and Las Vegas. And I think ultimately those will be the three wild cards, Baltimore, Cleveland, and second place in the AFC South, whether that's Indy or Tennessee. I think all three of those teams are better than what I see with Miami. A, do you agree? And B, that's still a good season for the Dolphins, right? Moving up, new head coach, new quarterback, the arrow still pointing up in the extended view for the Dolphins. Look, it's a great year, but Dane, they control their own destiny. Like this is the thing you think about they're going to the do Dolphins. it. You no, think they're no, it? not at all. No, not at all. all. Right. I, I mean, I don't buy, I don't buy the offense one bit. But it don't. I mean, like, as, if you're a Dolphins fan, you'd be like, oh, this was so great. Like, you're nine and five. You have two games left. You control your own destiny. Okay. You're at Vegas. They're a dumpster fire, and it might be a backup quarterback. And then you go into Week 17 and you play Buffalo. They are going to be underdogs probably in both of those games. I actually don't know what the early line is right now on their trip to Vegas. But at the end of the day, it is right in front of you. It's right in front of you. I don't think it's going to happen. You don't think it's going to happen. Most don't think it happens. But it's we're not at the point yet where, hey, listen, good season. There's more to be had here for the Dolphins. And we shall see. Remember, sometimes it's just about getting the results. And if Miami does the last two times, they will continue to be playing in the playoffs. When we come back, we look at Monday Night Football for Week 15 after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane and Kev breaking down everything we saw in week 15. Playoff spots were clinched. Mm. Number one overall picks were given up, and hopefully your fantasy team is either already through or will get through to your championship after Monday Night Football, where there's plenty of players you may have to still do work. Unfortunately, they're probably all on one team, right, Kev? As the Pittsburgh Steelers travel to Cincy (laughs) to take on the Bengals at last check, the Cincinnati Bengals were going to start Ryan Finley at quarterback, and at last check, at home, they are... Are getting more than two touchdowns. Everyone's talking about the damn Jets as 17-point dogs this week. The Bengals are dogs by more than two touchdowns at home to a division rival in Pittsburgh, but it'll be hard for anybody, I think, to pick the Bengals outright. A lot of people have been worried about Pittsburgh starting 11-0. They are now 11-2. I think a lot of people believe, Kev, this could be a get-right game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, And don't look now. There are teams on their tail, teams like Buffalo, teams like Cleveland in their own division. Yeah, it's wild, man. But you can't really disagree. I mean, the Bengals without Joe Burrow 
have been disastrous on the offensive side of the football. They've scored three offensive touchdowns in the three games and a half since Burrow left. And in comes now the third-string quarterback, Ryan Finley-Dane, who was so bad in the half he played against Washington, they went to Brandon Allen. Like, Ryan Finley lost his backup status in a half of mop-up duty. That's how bad Ryan Finley is. So, honestly, I'm not taking 14 half, but I ain't laying 14 and a half either. A team that's not playing well in division, like, you can't do that. You can't do that. So, I'm just here. I'm I'm looking for Steelers team totals and Steelers props. I I just think that is the best way to try and play this game. It, It feels the safest angle for me. I mean, the Steelers are laying seven in the first half on FanDuel at minus 135. That actually feels fair because it's 14 and a half in the first half. I'm surprised it's not seven and a half. That minus 135 juice looms large, but I think Steelers first half is live. I think over a 2017 total. The one thing I would consider as far as the spread with the Steelers and yeah. alt line, because okay. at least now I'm laying plus money. 23 and a half is plus 250. Plus 26 and a half is plus 380. Just big old numbers where if the if the Bengals get shut out, which feels very, very possible, you're right. sitting there with a, a nice plus number. Instead of sweating out the, oh, my God, Ryan Finley found a way into the end zone and I lost my 14 and a half. I hear you. You know, Kev, I think there is a huge mismatch up front in this game as well, right? And so I want to ask you about that and if there's that could be any kind of data points to use for prop bets or what have you, right? Like the Bengals, (laughs) the Bengals um, have allowed 46 sacks. That's second most in the NFL, second only to the Philadelphia Eagles, even though that's changing now with Jalen Hurts, right? But no, I say this to mean that the the, the Bengals have allowed – the second most sacks in the league. The Pittsburgh Steelers have the most sacks in the league, Kev. The Pittsburgh Steelers also have given up the fewest amount of sacks in the league. This Cincinnati Bengals front is like third worst against a run, doesn't get pressure on the quarterback. I just don't see how the Steelers don't almost kind of like man versus boys this up front. And yeah, all the shiny weapons are cool. Juju, Dio, maybe Claypool gets back in the end zone. People who need Eric Ebron to get to the finals in their championship matchup. Maybe the shepherd of the herd, Big Ben Roethlisberger, has a big game. But can I can can you help me shed a light on why there are no rushing prop bets? For the Pittsburgh Steelers. I wanted to go back to James Conner in this game. There is no total for James Conner or Benny Snell or the crew. What do you think that's about? Because I wanted to bet that maybe the Steelers would take this opportunity to rediscover what they were doing well in the first six weeks of the season, running the football. Well, it has to do with James Conner's availability being up in the air because of the quad. Uh, he very well could miss this game, which uh, means Benny Snell would step up and in and take over a backfield that's been largely irrelevant as they have, for whatever reason, uh, decided to throw the ball 50 times a game, no matter what. And I will caution. Now, I know you love your running backs. You think that it's the end-all, be-all. It's how teams save their seasons. But when they played last time, they won 36-10. 
Big Ben threw it 40-some-odd times. He threw for 300 yards. He threw for four touchdowns. I believe that if the Steelers have their way for at least the first three quarters, they're throwing the football all over the field, and they're getting their offense right and what they believe their offense is. You don't think part of getting the offense right? But isn't you don't think part of getting the offense right is getting the run game right as well? And they against a team just, like Cincinnati is a good opportunity? They just don't run the ball. Like it's this is the thing about the steel. I don't think this is a scenario where they're like, oh no, we can't run it. I think they are actively choosing not to run the football. Because that's what you they think do that's when a they good decision for the Steelers. I don't know. It's not, I mean, they have a great wide receivers. You would it's weird because you know the passing game is a pseudo run game because it's the short game, right? Yeah, the so there's that, yeah. ways in which it works. And I, I mean, throwing over running, right? Like a, a yards per attempt at five is horrendous. A yards per carry of five is incredible. That's sure. why throwing is more valuable than running. So I understand throwing the ball. The, the The reason why it's puzzling is there are these questions about whether Ben has the arm strength to actually move the ball down on the field. And here we are taxing his arm 40 to 50 times a game. That's, I think, maybe more suspicious than that. Like, yeah. what's the up man's with in his late 30s? Arm? You know, the man's in his late 30s. We have questions like this about Breeze or other, you know, uh, quarterbacks who are on the back nine of their career. The Pittsburgh Steelers think they're going to be playing deep into, uh, you know, January. Why stress out this man's arm that, you know, had surgery on it a year ago? I think that uh, is a question, right? Wouldn't they want to maybe lower or lessen the load or ease it a little bit? I personally think that that is something they need to do. I know you believe that the Steelers don't need their run game, but then what other props might you pivot to then if that's what you think is going to happen? Big Ben, attempts, completions, yards. You like any of the wideouts? I mean, Juju has caught six or more in his last three games. Deontay Johnson has caught like seven or more despite the drops. And I think like four of his last five. There's Claypool out there. There's Ebron out there. There's a lot of options if you think the pass game is going to do work tonight. Well, here's the crazy thing. Big Ben's over-under pass attempts is 39 and a half. I, I just okay. think that right there. Like, and they're, That's they're not tremendously high. That's not tremendously high. That's really high when you consider the spread and who right, when you playing. consider the spread and all that, right? But then, if you're talking about the spread and these temps, then that assumes that they're going to, you know, be in position to park the bus and run clock at the end. Right. But that's what I'm kind of saying is, the, and the book is assuming such a thing, right? When you look yeah. at the spread and the total is yeah. 40 and a half, but that just shows how much he throws the ball. Last week, he only got to 37, but every game before that, 53, 51, 46, 46, 42. He had only thrown 32 against Dallas, yeah. and then it was 49 against Tennessee. Which yeah. All they do is throw the football. It's all they do. Now, I'm not saying that I'm going to run to bet over 39 and a half, but it's just, I just think that number tells the story. The Steelers are a throwing team. This is what they believe gives them the best opportunity. Last time they played the same exact team 27 of 46, 333 yards, and four touchdowns for Big Ben. Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, I think I'm saying very similar things, right? For a guy who has put it up 40 and 50 some odd times, the fact that the number is lower in this one maybe thinks that the book thinks that this is the opportunity where there may be more running involved. But I digress. Let me ask you something. The Jets were 17-point dogs, and they went outright. Make the case for Cincy to win. 
No. No? No. They have a third string quarterback. Uh, no, like I it is a much easier case that they don't score that they don't score a point. No, I don't, fair like, enough. We, I think it's going to be disastrous for that offense. Like there's not so a pro like, bangle. Is it gonna go over the total though, or can it still stay under the total? Are you talking like twenty seven six? I mean, I, I think I think like thirty five nothing is live. Like there's no world okay. I'm betting over forty. Do you like the total? I think that So you like the under. No, I don't I don't like the total at all though. Because like this like the steel I think the Steelers can obliterate them and then like the Bengals have a fluke touchdown and there's forty two points. And then thirty one right? fourteen or something like that is what yeah. you get with a garbage time. It's really thirty one seven the entire time, something like that. Right. I understand that. So we'll see what happens tonight and we'll see where that lands the Pittsburgh Steelers vis-a-vis all these other contenders in the AFC trying to take down the Kings of the Hill, the Kansas City Chiefs, who got a road win against a division leader yesterday in the New Orleans Saints. Kev, one of the things we've always been following throughout the fall is the college football playoff, the college football playoff standings. Well, after conference championship Saturday that took place, whether you thought Northwestern was ever going to get a chance, whether you thought the Irish would get left at the altar because of their loss, whether you thought they'd find a way to get a blue-chip team like Oklahoma in, whether what are you, whatever you thought they would do with our chaos squads, they did unveil the final rankings and ultimately what will be the two semifinal matchups. They did all the other bowls, the New York Six Bowls. We'll talk about those more tomorrow, but what we have here is Bama 1, Clemson to the ACC champions, 2, the Big Ten champion, Ohio State, three and then Notre Dame with their first loss of the season fall to number four A&M Oklahoma left out uh, on the outside looking in somehow Cincinnati cannot hop Florida even though they remain undefeated and Florida you know loses for the third time this season still good enough to be over conference champion and undefeated Cincinnati but This is about the final four. We're going to have Alabama versus Notre Dame and Clemson versus Ohio State on New Year's Day. I believe that they got I believe they got it right. And I know there was a lot of debate over Notre Dame. Should they get in? Should they not get in? Uh, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of the college football playoff argument is one that I am always prepared for because we're going to have to make sure we're not hypocritical. Right now, I heard someone say. Give me Oklahoma. I don't want a team that lost by 28 points, Notre Dame and A&M. So Notre Dame, Dane, even if they had lost by 28, right, they would have been outperformed on a point spread by 17 points, closing at 11 and a half. Do you mean to tell me that that is a worse result than Oklahoma losing at home to Kansas State by three when they were four touchdown favorites? No, because you're not going to say that because you don't want to be wrong. And you'd be wrong if you'd said that. Okay, and at the end of the day, Notre Dame's win over UNC is massive. And you know what's also massive? Their win over Clemson. Because at the end of the day, right, A&M beating three lost Florida by three or Notre Dame beating, what, 90% of Clemson by seven at home? Because here's the other thing that's very important. You heard a lot of chatter about Notre Dame. Trevor Lawrence scored 34 points against the Irish. DJU scored 33 in regulation. I'm not even going to steal the overtime points to make my argument better. 
Yeah, to be honest, what are they, everybody always framed that as like Trevor Lawrence and DJ. Like the Clemson was missing like two other defensive starters, the, the, their middle linebacker, and that proved, in my opinion, to be the bigger difference, right? Because what they did to Notre Dame defensively on Saturday, we'll always talk about it. We'll look at the bowls tomorrow. We'll bring in Lisi, but we'll wrap up this episode of the Early Line when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. We will have time this week, even though we are shortened by holiday. So a programming note, we will not be here on Christmas Day, which is Friday. But we got shows Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So much to cover, Kev, right? The college football bowls, how those lay out the semifinals, right? We have NBA season tip-off happening tomorrow. We know Kevin's into that. And we got a preview week 16, and we won't have our usual Friday to be able to do so. So it'll be jam-packed. We'll have all the friends of the show in as usual as we finish off heading into the holidays. But I want to tell you one other thing, Kev, about what I saw yesterday in football. And, you know, sometimes, Kev, when you're not, when you're on in-game live, you don't get to hear you know, kind of the commentary or the feed, right? And that and that's played out sometimes when I'm telling you things about like, oh, the way teams are defending the Chiefs and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, or Can oh, I, did you hear this? What, I don't what, mean what? to cut you off, but what? I mean, final segment here, some mini breaking news. I'm surprised oh, no. that this what just came out, but Adam Schefter reports that Big Ben, who's going into Monday Night Football tonight, intends to return next year for his 18th season per sources. I just the fact that that just came out right now. I mean, I know I think a lot of people thought Big Ben might retire. I apologize for cutting you off there, but that's I mean, right. that, that's some I mean, interesting cool. news that they're going to lock Big Ben in uh, moving forward. Yeah, I think that is that is interesting. I mean, I think Drew Brees will still walk away at the end of this year. We'll see what happens to some of the other elder statesmen like a Rivers or a Brady. But the fact that Big Ben is going to give it the old go-ahead, you know, not only this year, makes Steelers fans very happy. What I was going to tell you, though, Kev, that you don't get to hear on the broadcast is the joy that is Aqib Talib calling a game. We saw this randomly a few weeks ago, right? But he was on the call again um, <laughs> on Sunday in the Arizona-Philly game. And I got to tell you, Kev, get a chance to listen to some of the commentary. He's breaking it down, but doing so like you're chilling on a stoop or outside the bodega. And, you know, the the play-by-play guy does not know how to handle it. It's 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 amazing, Kev. You need to check it out. Have you heard about this? I mean, I've been hearing people talk about Talib. They they need to keep fresh blood in, in those booths. I think all <laughs> a lot of these people. You you need to give a different spin on it. So I like it. Yeah, it was. It's a different spin, to be sure. You got to check it out. All right, if you're here on the grid, the thing you're going to be checking out next the morning after. Shout out to Jared and Ariel. We'll be back here tomorrow on the early line.